Thanks, folks, for joining us on another exciting episode of Folks Unfettered. My name is Gene Folks. I'm that brother of life. I'm the wisdom in your left ear and knowledge in your right. I know it's been some time since we've uh, had an episode of Folks Unfettered. Today, we got a special episode with special guests on Labor Day. Aaron Johnson, CEO of Aaron Johnson Fitness Club. You can find him at AaronJohnsonFitnessClub.com. He is also the creator and founder of Skate Buds, as well as an author of Don't Be a Dumb Job. Aaron, welcome to the program, and thanks for joining us on this Labor Day. So, what have you been up today? Thank you, Gene. Man, today. it's been a quiet no day for me. I've been um, I've been up since about 3 a.m., and um, I've been off and on my computer in my laboratory, as I like to say. And um, and I'm just just I'm, I'm transitioning my business from offline to online, so it's taking me some a curve, a learning curve, and so that's what I've been doing since the pandemic. Gotcha. So, so uh, okay. So I, I do want to follow up on that question. I do want to f- actually follow up on um, how you're transitioning your business from offline to online. So what does that look like? Tell us about uh, yourself. In fact, you know, let's just do this. Let's start back and tell our listeners how you and I met. Let's go back to the very beginning. And so how we got to where we are today. All right, so I'm, I'm gonna set the scene for you, okay? <laughs> so okay. let's say I just moved to Dallas six months ago. All right? right. From Shreveport, Louisiana, Baton Rouge. And I was watching TV. I was watching, I was at a friend's house watching TV. And we were watching The Apprentice. And I see this handsome black man on TV. And I go, wow, let me pay attention a little bit closer. And then they said, they mentioned that he was from Dallas, Texas. So I said, you know what? I'm going to look this brother up. (laughs) And that's what I did. And so I think I sent you maybe some emails or some messages, uh, phone messages. You did, right? Yeah, right, you did. And then um, I think we accidentally or we serendipitously in, uh, ran into each other at the bookstore in Addison. At Barnes & Noble in Addison, right? Right off Belmont Road. Yes. Right? So I was spend- and I rem- Right, go ahead. Go I, was, ahead. I was spending a lot of time over there because, I, had, like I said, I had just moved to Dallas. I, I didn't mm-hmm. know very many people. And that, at the time, was my laboratory. Nor, uh, that was my laboratory at the time. So you walked in, and I was like, am I supposed to just walk up to the guy and introduce myself? <laughs> and that's what, that, that's what I did. And, we, and you did. You yep. know, that took a lot of courage on your part, right? Because sometimes you don't know how people are going to respond. And I was really impressed by your motivation and your reason your courage really just to walk up and say hey man how you doing my name's Aaron Johnson and if I and if memory serves me well you and I sat down and had a cup of coffee and we were talking right yep yeah and we got to talk and you were telling me about at the time you were really pushing skate buzz and you had graduated college and and you were really focused on your entrepreneurial journey so so give give us some specifics on that conversation right because I know that you know you and I had we just we just clicked. I felt like an older brother, and I sort of looked at my I saw myself and you, and I wish someone had that conversation with me. And I was very humbled by the fact that 
you know, I, sometimes you're doing certain things and you don't realize that you're going to have an impact on people. And so you and I, what was that, like 11 years ago? You and I, uh, not only just friends, but also, you know, sort of, sort of a, a, a fellow sojourner on this entrepreneur journey. So tell us about, you know, so go through some specifics there because I remember you were talking about investing in your company, you had a business plan. So yeah, let's walk through that because it was really a cool time. I know it was cool for me and we always seem to run in, you know, run in very similar, similar circles. Right. So, 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 so to tell you the truth, it was uh, when I when I saw you on TV on 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 uh, the on the show with Donald Trump, I really looked at you as a celebrity or as a um, an icon, a black black figure in business. That's what I saw it as. I mean, it was on the Donald Trump show, and I wasn't really paying attention to the show, but right. to see you on there and to see that you had made it so far to the finals, I think it was. Um, you made it quite a, a, a bit on ways on the show. And so to, to know that you were that close and, and typically from Shreveport, you don't get people on TV. You don't have that caliber of people just walking around and just at Starbucks getting coffee. And so, <laughs> right. yeah. Right. So when I saw you, I, I, you know, you get the butterflies. I'm hoping that you are approachable. I'm hoping that you are not going to look at me as some young punk that's trying to get some free, you know, whatever. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. I was working hard. I had a master's degree. I was, you know, I had, I had done some things, been successful in my life. So, I was hoping that would come across. And so, um, like we, like you said, we, 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 we talked and we, 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 I spoke briefly about what I was doing because at the time I was really developing myself. Although I, I had a good idea, I still was in the process of developing who I was as a person and mm -hmm. as a business person. And so. It just made me want to get to know you more. You know, like you said, I, w I really needed an investor, um, but I was still I was still constructing my business plan. I was still coming up with ideas. I was still uh, not really ready to have that investors conversation. Right. Um, but, right. Yeah. But, but I wanted to keep in touch with you. I think I went out to your office at the time. And you did when you I did. had my office out in Rockwall. Right. Yeah, right. You did. You came out. Right. And, and we had another good conversation and and in that conversation i remember that uh we talked about having partners and people i think that was a we had an investment conversation then about right. having board of directors and mentors and different Correct. people around you um that were going to help you or that had helped you along your journey and you talked about some of your the conflicts that you had gone through some of the struggles that you had gone through with, absolutely yeah which were similar to the struggles that i was experiencing so it made my it made me feel it made me feel in a way that i could keep pushing and i was what i was going through was typical for the position that i was in and so right. you've always been that person that i could look look to talk to for upper level advice and so mm -hmm. with the times that i see you out and we see and we just bump into each other it's not like we bumping into each other i don't feel like i feel like every time i see you or i bump into you I needed to see you just to update you on the conversation, mm -hmm. just to update you to where I was going and what I was doing. And so, yeah, man, every time we talk, it's a good, it's a good experience. Right. And I know you and I have had some really detailed conversations because we were, well, I was trying to provide information based on my experiences 
we were connected in the sense that I could see you on your journey. And so one of the big things that really impressed me about you was that you were fearless. You still are fearless. And so Thank it's you. very, it's very, of course, and it's very difficult, you know, when you have, uh, when you are a man of color or a black man in this country and you have a dream and you have, and you want to build something and you there to help you through your process, right? And so that's one of the things actually that I didn't have because I came up, you and I have a, have a significant age difference. And so I consider myself like a big brother, but I, I wanted to make, and I did make myself available. And what I learned throughout our friendship was that I learned just as much from you as you think you're learning, learning from me. And so one of the things that impressed me over these last uh, 11 or 12 years is how you can you believe in yourself and you go after what it is that you're looking for. And so if I remember correctly, you started out with skate butts. Right. Remember you started so tell us about skate butts. Tell us about the philosophy behind skate butts. Because here's what I'll say, Aaron, one of the things that I found, and we'll talk about the book. One of the things that I found with you that's impressive is that you were an athlete and so you ended up you ended up um, really creating an inter you were integrating um, racial stereotypes uh, of 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 uh, black athletes uh, you integrated the business concepts that are needed to build an empire you looked at the social and economic conditions and you're intertwine that into your book but you really started out when our first conversation was about skate buds and about the physical activity needed in children and so tell us about that journey and about what was your motivation for getting into skate buzz getting into tell us what skate buzz is tell us all about it just 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 break it down for us and let us know what um what started you on that path that journey thank you okay so so like you said I, like you mentioned i was an athlete since age eight and I was, I had the ability, I was able to receive a full time, full, a four year scholarship to Grandma State University as a uh, wide receiver and a punt return, okay? But during that time, my freshman year, I tore my ACL, okay? Mm -hmm. So I went from starting wide receiver, slot receiver to on the bench for two years or re rehabbing my knee injury for two years, my torn ACL. And then the guy who took my spot uh, went to the NFL, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm watching the guy that took my spot score touchdowns, break Jerry Rice's record. <laughs> I was I was going through depression. I was having anxiety. I was having identity issues. Sure. Um, but I still had to go to practice. I still had to go to school. And so once I graduated from Grambling, I had an opportunity. One of my professors, they saw me, you know, moping around. And they were like, Aaron, you don't have to depend on sports in order to be successful. You're a smart guy. You can be successful without sports. Right, right. Yeah, so I took that I took that conversation and I thought about it. I thought, and, and, and it made sense to me. So that same professor gave me an opportunity to go to graduate school at LSU in 
and to receive a, a degree in the Department of Kinesiology. Mm-hmm. During my kinesiology studies, they taught me how to repair the mind of an injured athlete. And so I was the injured athlete, but I had never repaired my mind, the mental part of it. That's injury. interesting. Interesting, yeah. right. So you go and do physical physical therapy and you do all these things to get your knee stronger, but mentally you're still afraid that you might fall and break, or you might hurt you, re-injure yourself. Right. Once I learned those techniques, I started to use them on myself. And then I considered how many other athletes were going through that depression and anxiety, the thoughts of suicide, the mm-hmm. self-identity crisis, and you had nobody to talk to about it because people mm-hmm. treat you differently once you're not playing. Right. So right. That, what do you mean by that? Expound on that, that people treat you differently when you're not playing. What does that mean? So as a, as a, when I was an athlete, I was a starting quarterback since age eight. And so mm-hmm. up until I graduated from high school, I was a starting quarterback. And so people enjoyed your company. People wanted to see how you were doing. Hey man, you okay? The girls, they treated you a certain kind of way. The bros, sure. they treated you a certain kind of way. The right. teachers, they cater to you. The coaches, they, you know, everybody does their own individual part to make you feel invincible. special. Yeah. Right. Invincible. As an athlete. Indestructible. Indestructible. And then right. you get hurt and all of that stops. In one That's day. It. Yeah. In one day, it stops. Wow, that's got to be interesting, though, because, you know, the challenging thing for me is it it has that attitude of what have you done for me lately, right? Right. So we get so tied up in sports and entertainment and even in some cases in business to where we remove the human element from it. That's really what you're talking about. Yes. And so regardless of the game that we play and the field that we play on, whether that's football, basketball, baseball, hockey, owning an organization or company, being an entrepreneur, when you feel like you're not productive, that can have a negative impact on your mental health. And that's one thing that we, as men of color, don't really talk about, let me be specific. That's one thing that we as black men and in the black community, we do not talk about the mental health of of our brothers, right? Right. And one of the, I believe, the divine things between you and I is, you know, look, I'm, I, I think I'm up close enough, old enough to be your father. And so, <laughs> which I hope not. But at the end of the day, what I found was as we were open to one another and receptive to each other and where we are, then we created this relationship that has been survived over the last 11, 12 years. Listen, if anybody would ask me whether or not I thought I was qualified to mentor anyone, I would say, you're absolutely nuts. That's not me. <laughs> That's not my thing, right? But it's interesting, and I have to say it this way, it's interesting when the divine comes to your life, literally in my case, when God sets you on a path, he's going to have his way. And I didn't know any other way than to be open to you. I could see, I could feel your hunger. I could see your desire to make a difference. And so we were talking about skateboards. At first, to be honest, Aaron, I didn't get it. I was like, right. that's cool. I didn't get it. I Most people did. Because I looked at it from the standpoint of business model. I looked at it from the standpoint of cost of production. And I looked at, you know, you're going to need this amount of resources. But you believed in yourself. And that belief, tell us that belief transferred for you in the skate bus. So walk me down that story. 
Because yes. you've, you've been with that for so long and you've done a lot of good things within the lives of children in our community and outside of our community. Okay, so, so, like I said, like I, I wanted to, so, so as I'm, as I'm in graduate school learning about these different uh, mental health um, resources and, 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 and uh, researches, then I, I, I decide, I say, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start my business and I'm going to, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to create a business where, you know, we can talk to athletes about injuries and overcoming injuries and being productive after you, after you have these injuries. Mm-hmm. But what I found out, so but so then I, I graduate and me and my friend go to LA and I see these skates. And I'm like, man, those are cool. And my friend, right. he goes, man, we need to get some of those and take them to Baton Rouge and sell them. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we need to do. So at the time I could see fitness in these skates. I saw fitness, that's what, that's what drew me to the skate. I saw fitness. And so, and I saw fun and I saw excitement. And because of my athleticism, I saw, I just saw, I just saw much more. I was going to say that, like you're trying to, like the connection between, you know, the athlete and you, you know, saw an opportunity for, to feed that hunger that you still had, right? That was cut short because of your injury. And so you just began to, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. It's safe to say that you began to want to rechannel that energy into a productive product that would also sort of restore your mental health and then help the mental health and the physical activity of of, of, of children. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Okay, so check. So while I'm in grad school, I'm working for LSU's football team. All right, mm-hmm. I'm in the I'm in the department of recruiting at the LSU with the LSU football team. Okay, right. Which right. means that which means that I get to go to every game for free. Okay, mm-hmm. and I get to I'm behind the scenes of the football of the football games. And what I saw that that magnetized me, what I saw was a hundred thousand screaming fans. Wow! At every game, and I was and I and so as I'm look as I'm in the stadium watching these hundred thousand screaming fans with the with the gold and the purple and they just all into it. I'm like, man, I need to create a business just like this. I need to create my own team. That's what I need to do. And if I can get a hundred thousand people to like my colors and like my whatever it is, sure, and that's a, I could be successful. And right. then, and then I thought, and then, uh, then it came to me that this was happening around this. This event was happening all over the country. A hundred thousand people are in the stands. Two hundred thousand people are outside the stands, trying outside the stadium to trying to get into the game. And they're all wearing the same colors, cheering for these mm-hmm. guys on the field. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw Skate Buzz, I was like, this is my team. I'm going to create a team off of this product. And I think 100,000 kids would want to use this product. And I think that I could do it. I could think, you know what I'm saying? This is kind of what's mm-hmm. going through my head. Sure. And so, sure. And so over the evolution of, the, of, of, over the journey, I was able to take this product over the evolution of my business development, I started to learn how to market the product. Who would I go? And so you named your, I mean, and so you named your company what? So at the time it was Skate Buds International. Okay. That was the first company I created. 
Right. And it was strictly to promote the skate buzz inside the schools, through the nonprofit organizations, and use it within the community's resources. Because at the time, like you mentioned, um, childhood obesity was was at an all-time high, especially mm-hmm. in the black communities. Absolutely. Especially in the black and brown communities. Mm-hmm. And so when I took skate buzz into the black schools, the kids went crazy. Right. And I was like, oh my goodness, I don't have enough skate buzz. Maybe I should think bigger. <laughs> yeah. And so I started doing the research on the number of schools, the number of school districts, the number of students in the country over the world. And I was like, man, I might sell a million skate buds. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. So so that was my that was my just programming that into my into my mind was like, okay, maybe sell a put a put together a business plan where you can sell a million skate buds and not mm-hmm. a thousand skate buds. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, I had to open up to different states. I had to open up to different cultures. I had to open up to different mm-hmm. other things. And so the, the whole idea, the whole motivation was to get that 100,000 fans that I saw at the LSU game. If mm-hmm. I can get them crazy about Aaron Johnson Fitness Club or Team Skate Buds in that way, Mm-hmm. That's that's really what you see. That's really the kind of the hidden drive behind right. what and I'm doing. Right. And so, which is a fantastic story, which, folks, you can catch um, more information about skate buds, how to order them um, on AaronJohnsonFitnessClub.com. And you can check with Aaron Johnson on all social media platforms to find out more about him and his journey. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion with Aaron. So, uh, so how has... How has Skate Buds evolved from that first, the first idea you had 10, 11 years ago? Uh, when it comes to how has your market penetration been with Skate Buds? So, so I say that, um, like I mentioned earlier, it, it was a, a lot of it was about my personal development. And so mm-hmm. I'm a great trainer, I'm a great teacher, I'm a great coach. But then when you add the business part of it, you know that that takes you have to take sometimes you have to take on a different type of personality right so so i've developed my personality over the years from hustling door to door because i love to sell i love door to door sales i enjoy talking to people about what i do and convincing them and they appreciate my effort and then they purchase the product but then when you like i said to scale the business and then at the time there was no amazon there was no amazon when we first started so we went from I had to in my mind create these distribution channels with mm-hmm. different warehousing companies different um, different other logistics companies all over the country to Amazon coming in and saying don't worry about any of that we'll do all of that for you just mm-hmm. bring your product to our web, our warehouse so are skateboards available on Amazon? you have skateboards available on Amazon? so they were available on Amazon until this past year and so mm-hmm. as you know you know, Amazon has grown to be uh, Amazon, and so an sure. Amazon of companies. So, sure. so the, the margins were a lot larger in the beginning, and over the years, the margins have um, decreased to a point where I I needed to take back control of the the warehousing and distribution to create my margins. So, it's Absolutely. been it's been a different uh, it's been a scale. Of, so right now I'm scaling the project. Then at the, at, at another point. Um, when you go to talk to investors, they they ask you the magical questions: Do you own this intellectual property? Mm-hmm. And 
10, uh, 10 years ago when I started, I wasn't thinking about a patent. Five years ago, I started thinking about a patent. And then over the last three and a half years, I've been working with some attorneys and lawyers to uh, design my patent, to, 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 to have my patent approved. Which is awesome. They're patent pending right now. And we're patent pending right now, yes. Because you've got different colors now. Yes. It's, okay. Yeah, so we learned about, so, so going straight to the manufacturer, learning how to manufacture a product, learning mm -hmm. how to have the product come through customs and inco terms and different things that i never had different lang business language that i had to learn it, it just took some time it's taking some time to 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 get comfortable you know sending ten thousand dollars to china or sending fifteen thousand sure. dollars to china and hoping that it comes back <laughs> with your product in mm -hmm. a sellable form and so so now like i said once once the patent is approved i'll start reaching back out to investors I, I had reached out to them earlier they gave me some advice on what to do in order to keep um a large percent of my company instead of handing over the, um the, a larger percent of my company just so that they would come in and take over some portions of the operation that i right. can do within myself so i decided just to take the long route and um develop the patent myself sure and my team and then um once i get that designed or that proved then we'll be able to go to these um investors with um with a patent mm -hmm. and uh, the pro with the with the proper business plan in place well i'll let you right and I'll, I'll let you know this because of our relationship and as you in fact i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this because you know i'm in new york these days i'm i'm focused on a project here why don't you send me the updated information on Skate Buzz? Like, what's your, what are your sales been? Like, have you, have you seen any revenue? Uh, have you met your goal of trying to reach 100 or 200,000 kids? Um, well, what's that look like if you're going to get down into the numbers? Sure. So, um, so, so over the last, say, say, say I started selling Skate Buzz in 2012, 2013, mm -hmm. and I, I've sold right at 3,000 pair. Um, okay. without, at what at what price point prepare? Twenty nine ninety nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, and then and so right now I have a like like I said over the last year and a half, say two years, I have I have I've not I've not made very many skateboard sales because of the patent process. So sure. I put that sure. on hold as of two thousand. I think it was two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. I started the patent process. Mm -hmm. So I I got right now I got a thousand pair in my warehouse that I'm I'm getting ready to sell this Christmas and so mm -hmm. the sales they and so so that's the that's the skateboard sales well the the fitness program portion of it um, I've been I've been very lucky to get a, a, a tremendous amount of support in the Dallas community through the Boys and Girls Clubs and mm -hmm. about 50 other nonprofit organizations, including mm -hmm. uh, Dallas Parks and Recreation, City of Dallas. And so right before the um, pandemic, I have been working, I've been working with the Dallas City of Dallas for about 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And just before the pandemic started, um, we were up for a, a large grant. Um, mm -hmm. and then they closed, yeah, then they closed the gyms. And so that process, that was another process that I wasn't really familiar with going through um, a city government to uh, get grant funding. It took a few years to be comfortable with that. But now, and so since that pandemic, we were able to reach out to other governments in Houston 
in um, Louisiana, Caddo Parish, Shreveport, and uh, Baton Rouge. And so now we got that we have that process down where we can go to reach reach out to local governments and uh, solicit our program for funds and things like that. And so that process is developing. So it's the it's a couple of different angles that we're coming from. Sure. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah, but all in all, it's coming well. So we've had we've had over a hundred thousand um, workouts with kids and skate buds. Um, yes, over this period of time. That's awesome. So skate buds is just one part, is one component of Aaron Johnson's Fit Club. So walk me through. You got a master's in kinesiology. You're a young cat from Shreveport. You are going along this entrepreneur journey. And I know over the years, you and I have, we always meet at a Starbucks. Like I always run into you at some point. I'm either, because me, I'm, you know, I carry two phones. I'm running between meeting from one meeting to another meeting. And I'll stop at Starbucks. I'll give you something. And there you are, right? Right. And I'll sit down and you and I will have a conversation. And, and I'll ask you, well, how is everything going along your journey? And you will express to me, it's going pretty good. I remember we had this one conversation at this Starbucks right off of, um, Oh, we're in Dallas, and we had this conversation about we were like, man, do you ever get pushback from friends and family about your entrepreneurial journey? Because you know you go through tough times when you're looking to build an organization, especially as a black man in a country that you know where the system is not you know designed in your favor, right? And, and so when you have access to the resources. I mean, listen, I'm, I was a Merrill Lynch guy, J.P. Morgan Chase, AIG, undergrads finance, and I can still tell you that the game is rigged in a way to where we're not promoting, supporting, and providing resources to not just small minority-owned businesses, but also to budding entrepreneurs who want to make an impact in their in their communities and the community at large, which I believe that the entire American economy, if we got to wrap our heads around this, that we've got to be able to use all the resources at our disposal so we can compete on a global scale. And the research shows, as I was going through my master's program and then my doctoral program, I was doing the research in organizational leadership project management to where minority-led and women-led organizations outperform their white counterparts by 33%. Right. With little resources, with systemic and institutional biases, right, that somehow you are less um, of a business owner uh, because you're a person of color. Yeah, we're outperforming our white counterparts by 33%. So when you look, when I look at it, when I'm looking at talk about skate buzz and I talk to you and I have these conversations, right? The way that I look at it is, you know, when I'm looking for the best service, when I'm looking for the best restaurant, I'm looking for the best doctor, I'm looking for the best investment advisor, like I used to be. I want the guy that's outperforming everyone else. So it begs the question, why doesn't America take advantage of actually uplifting and supporting throughout the country, those budding entrepreneurs who happen to be black. And so you and I've had this discussion. And so as you have looked at skate buds, that's just one component of your overall organization. So explain to us the 
um, the, the main core of your business, of Aaron Johnson Fit Club. And folks, you can catch Aaron at AaronJohnsonFitClub.com. You can catch him on Instagram. You're on Instagram. Uh, he's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. He's got every, uh, I think you're building out your TikTok, right? Your TikTok's coming up? Yes, sir. Strong? TikTok is coming on. Right. Okay. And just go in and check out the product that you have. And, and if you are an entrepreneur or a fellow business owner or you're young, find yourself a mentor. Because not only can you find someone that's going to help you through the process, but you actually might remind that mentor they still have a purpose and a process and an obligation to help the next generation become the next Aaron Johnson. And so, Aaron, tell us about your um, physical fitness practice. I know every time I see you, you're always on me like, man, you look good, right? <laughs> but you're like, but you're like, but you know, you need to come and check me out because, you know, we got to keep you fit. You know, we got to keep you going. So right. explain to me how you've worked with the youth in skate buds. And then you transition from that. What's your ideal client? Explain to us your, your physical therapy, or not physical therapy, but your, your physical fitness program. Who's your target audience? Who's your primary client? You know, who's your primary customer? And, and how has that been going as well? Okay. So I have these skate buds and I decide to go into these different, or I'll move to Dallas. I move to Dallas, mm -hmm. go and start to talk to different independent school districts about skate buds. One of the responses that I I received from one of the principals, she said, this is a safety issue. So I said, so I thought about it. I said, she's right. I took it into consideration. And so I, I, I decided to create a fitness program that would help the kids strengthen their muscles and their bones just in case they fail while using skate buds. This was mm -hmm. the concept. So but I wasn't, I was an athlete, but I wasn't a trainer. So I decided, I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take an internship basically as a personal trainer at 24 hour fitness. So I can get to the ground grassroots of what, what people are going through, what problems are they having and what is it? How can I make my kids fitness program the best program? So I, I took a job as a trainer at 24 hour fitness. During that period of time, I saw the different demographics that were working out. I saw a lot of the bad practices that were um, that that the majority of people in a gym were participating in. Right. right. And I was and so I was like, man, this the whole thing was the entire the entire operation was not good for me because I understood the science behind mm -hmm. motivation, um, mm -hmm. economies of scale and what they what they were doing were or what most gyms are they are they are they are anticipating that you won't show up right. and so i decided i said okay so i started working as a personal trainer and what i saw the number one one of the number one problems that people were going through was they didn't breathe properly right so i said you know what i'm gonna put that into my kids fitness program mm -hmm. if the adults don't know how to breathe properly it's probably because they didn't learn as children how to breathe properly correct so, so then i started seeing other things they didn't stretch before the workout they didn't stretch during the workout they didn't stretch i'm guilty of that i'm guilty <laughs> of that. yeah listen i've been an athlete you know not at your level but you know i've been working out my whole life and i'm like yeah, i don't have time to stretch right Bad and now i've gotten no right now if i've gotten older i'm like stretching is so important right, right. Because you want to stay limber and loose right so 
Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So, so I added, so I said, okay, I'm gonna add stretching as part of the workout. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so, and then I started, as I started the years of just working with people, I was good at sales. So my ability to create relationships with people, it happened pretty much instantly. When I walked into the gym, I started talking to people. I started giving them my understanding from a kinesiology and an athlete standpoint. And then the people that were 50 and older, they started to draw towards me. Mm-hmm. And these people, the 50 and older crowd, they were successful. So the conversations were better. They were always, they were more disciplined. So when they said they were going to come, they came mm-hmm. and they didn't complain during the workout. They were just focused, <laughs> you know, right. So I'm right. Like, this, right. this is the perfect client. This is all right. the clients I right. want to work yeah. with right here. For man, look here, probably, probably too much in pain to complain. Okay. <laughs> Show, you know, that body gets a little tight when you get older, man, you got to drink water, but uh, right. that's and that was, awesome. And that's that was awesome. Yeah, and that was the other thing. That was another thing. People were not drinking enough water. And so I'm doing the research. I'm looking, I'm I'm reading through the science of these different research studies. I'm coming back to the gym, comparing my experience. And then I'm taking what the research says, what I'm experiencing. And then I'm, I'm introducing it to the kids fitness program. And then I'm making it a, a fun way so that they'll eventually want and, and so I made them. So I made them do all these different things: breathing, focusing, concentration, stretching, before they were riding the skateboards. Right. And so what I found was that the kids, because because I go into a program and they say, I say I want to work out the kids. They go, well, the kids not gonna work out. They not gonna do this. They not gonna do that. And I say, okay, well let me let me see. And by the end of a six week period, I got sixty kids who have never worked out before, who never knew me. And they all in sync and they're all working out and wow. having fun. And it just turned into a big, it just turned into a, a good idea. And so so I started selling the skate buds with the fitness programs to the schools, mm-hmm. to the nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. And um, as I started to shop my program around to, and I was recording video the entire time. So this was like in 2010 when there was no Instagram. This was no, there was no uh, maybe Instagram was around, but I don't think it was. But at the time, right, right. you know, it was like a lot of things going on. But I, you could tell that video was about to start to come into play. So, right. I, so I was recording these videos, and I said, "Okay, I'm, ha- I'm gonna have these videos just in case they don't want to invest into my business." And I'm saying they like investors or people, my family sure. or my friends sure. or people around me. So this is gonna be my backup. So. I created the program. I started to shop around, and then Irving Independent School District picked my program up. They were a small district. They had about eighty thousand kids at the time, mm-hmm. and um, and so I talked to the principals. I talked to the, the athletic administrators. They liked it. They understood childhood obesity. They have a predominant um, black and brown population, mm-hmm. and they they allowed me to come into their schools. They bought my. They bought. Um, I think they bought a hundred pairs of skateboards for the kids. A hundred, wow, a hundred, a hundred helmets, a hundred skateboards, mm-hmm. and so that was another that was another transaction. So I'm like, okay, if I get one school district to buy a, a four thousand dollar package, how many other school districts can I get to buy? And so it's just become a development program, and, and right, the, right. You yeah. know, Aaron, yeah, Aaron. You know, the, the interesting thing about what I hear you saying is you didn't just focus on skate plus you actually focus on changing lifestyles and 
you also were multi-generational. So you saw the importance of childhood obesity and trying to teach children at a very young age in order to incorporate a healthier lifestyle than what they've known. Because listen, we live in the age of technology. And so, you know, kids just get on their laptops and their phones and they become very sedentary. And you do enough years of doing that. I mean, you become an adult. And so you have these bad habits and patterns, right? And so now you have a physical training practice for older people because they, if, look, if they're like me, they see your passion, your commitment, your belief in yourself. They want to they help you as much as possible. We just need to get you more help. In fact, I was going to tell you, you know, send me your updated business plan and your performa and all your other information. And I'll see if I can get you plugged in with the right people so we can flush out your business as it is. I, I support um, young black entrepreneurs trying to make their way through this life. Thank you. And, and at the end of the day, you know this, we've known each other for a very long time. And at the end of the day, right, we can do one or two things as we become, you know, as, as, as an older black man. I can have one or two schools of thought. I can have one or two trains of thought, which is, uh, well, he's going to have to figure it out just like I had to figure it out. And that was what I didn't have even do. Or I can say, you know what, I didn't get that. And if this is put in front of me, who am I? What do I stand for? What are my values? And I want to see people do well. And one of the things I have really uh, watched your, you blossom, not only as a business owner, but also uh, as a person in our community who's trying to get, who doesn't just focus on physical, but also you focus on the mental and emotional piece of it, right? Because research shows that working out and having a healthy lifestyle can help you with any mental health issues. It helps reduce stress, right? All yes. these different things. And so here you are trying to make an impact. And you you really, every time I see you on Facebook, you really are, you got, somebody's got a copy of your book in their hand, right? And, you, and that's just one of you are really your own self promoter. And so, and so as as we transition from as we transition from skate buds, and we transition in from your physical training practice, which folks again, you know, check out my man's website, AaronJohnsonFitnessClub.com. Um, also, that gives you information about how to order skate buds. Tells you about Aaron. You've got some really interesting thing on there as far as diet, health. And, and, and exercise, which then leads me to the third part, which is your book. Tell us about your book, Don't Be a Dumb Jock. You don't need the entire full top title. I know it's Don't Be a Dumb Jock, right? Yeah. Um, tell us about the impetus that inspired you to write the book, and also uh, how has the book been received, and in, in, in how you, what are some of the takeaways from the book? So, yeah, so the book was, so as I was training these 50 and older clients, which have become my most favorite clientele to work with, um, I've had some very interesting, very intelligent, very um, humble people that have, have allowed me to work with them. And so um, during the situation, I'm, I'm not sure if you remember, but the Colin Kaepernick situation where yep. the athlete was taking the knee and... Um, and the NFL, and it was just a big deal amongst the country. I wasn't at the time, I was not watching very much TV. I was really engrossed in my businesses. And 
but the 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 president Donald Donald Trump he said to he said at some point he made some statement along the lines of something about sons of bitches right or get back on the field or something like that and so I really perked up because I felt like because in business there's a certain degree of respect and that has to go into every transaction and when I felt that I felt that the president at the time he he violated a, a level of respect in that transaction, and so I was interested to see how the NFL well, athletes that's, right. That's not that's not surprising, right? I mean, what? having been a, that's not surprising of this particular president, right? <laughs> I guess to not. be so bold about it, right? Yeah, uh, right. Because you know there is uh, there's some challenges there, and it's interesting the contrast between. You know, Colin Kaepernick, and I'm going to get political here for a minute. Folks that know me on Folks Unfettered and then the other radio show that I co-host. And if you've ever seen any any uh, interviews that I've done, BBC, NBC, or the Associated Press, you know, I'm very outspoken when it comes to uh, looks. And I defended this country as an Air Force veteran for 10 years. And so I take it personally when we are so divided and angry. And when the president of the United States you know, um, really weighs in on a peaceful protest and then conversely absolutely incites a riot at the Capitol right? because people felt like <laughs> they were being, um, their values were being trampled on. It's interesting, the con it's interesting uh, the conflict or actually how the conversations were situational when it came to Colin, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee peacefully, right? Which right. is which is which is historical among black athletes. I mean, Muhammad Ali did it, right? Um, yep. It was done in the Olympics. That is that is you know Jesse Owens. All these people, right? That we consider these icons and the athletic. Colin Kaepernick was just continuing a tradition that is not, unfortunately, not unique for black athletes in this in this country. And so I remember friends of mine, he just needs to run a football, be quiet or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the man had values. And so he kept that tradition. And yet the conversation is different when we talk about people storming the Capitol. I don't understand how you can make that correlation. Right. Right. Um, because we, since we have been in this country, right, we came here unwillingly. Uh, we have had nothing but hardship. Um, nothing but disenfranchisement and nothing but feeling like we're third-class citizens and yet and still we want to have a positive impact not only in our community but our brothers and our fellow americans our brothers and sisters that are not black and also we want to contribute to the overall american economy and aaron it baffles my mind that we don't get that we're right. not, I was, I don't believe that I need anybody. And I told Trump this, I don't need anybody giving me equality, but what you will not do is, is stack the deck and minimize my opportunity. Right. And so just all I need you to do is get out of the way <laughs> and let me do, you know, let me be a productive, positive business owner and an entrepreneur. And we have got to, we have to, within our community, we have to have conversations 
like you and I have had over the decades, right? I right. mean, over the last 10 or 11 years, we have to have that conversation. We've got to encourage our people, don't buy Apple, be Apple, right? right? Don't buy your Mercedes and don't even invest in Mercedes. Look, I would say invest. I'm a former investment banker. Look for ways to be Mercedes, right? Totally. There's, there's, you know, look for ways to create your own car company. See, that is revolutionary talk. Right. And so at the end of the day, because all the resources and all the materials and all the and all that and all of the things that make up these products that we're using in this country come from the continent of Africa. And so why is it? It's listen, it's going to take and I'm going to just digress here for a minute. It is going to take a combination between my African-American cousins, my Caribbean, my Jamaican and Caribbean brothers and sisters and the people, the black Africans in Africa to combine and marshal not only our resources, but also our uh, ingenuity and our ability to make products and take those skills that we've learned as we've built empires in Africa, in the Caribbean and in America and do that for ourselves. That is equality, but it is going to take us to stop thinking that we have inferior products or that somehow um, a white product is better than a black owned product, right? Because a lot of times they're using black labor to actually make advancements in their products. And it baffles my mind, like, why didn't I think about this like 20, 30 years ago? Why don't we just create our own? Why don't we just do that? And now the overall American economy, the GDP, now we're contributing to that. And now we're actually buying real estate, creating another Black Wall Street, creating that opportunity to where we are now, you know, owning banks, right? That's why, that's where the game is, right? So it's owning banks and funding and bar and loaning money to our own people. That doesn't, it is, it's not a handout. You know, that's what we have to be able to do. But now we live in a system where we have to break down those institutional and systemic barriers that's why my cause is for your generation, the generation after you. We've got to break down those institutional and systemic barriers to our success. And when people tell me, I'm giving this one more minute, when people tell me that, well, it's going to take us time to do that, my attitude is it didn't take you that much time to build it. So it should be quicker to bulldoze it down, right? And at the end of the day, and make it. So it's, it really, it, it, it's not a point, it's not a, it's not a matter of we can't. It's a matter of we don't want to. And at the end of the day, your generation is not giving us a choice, right? We got to go beyond diversity and inclusion. We've got to go beyond, you know, well, this large organization is going to give money to you. And I get it. I get it. Look, we need that right now. But what we've got to do is use that old scriptural um, um, analogy, uh, a parable, really, of if you teach a man to fish, if you teach a man to fish, stop giving out fish. Teach people how to invest in your neighborhoods, right? right? It's great, you know, Starbucks. Invest in your competition so that, you know, have a black owned version of Starbucks, right? And so, but at a larger scale. And so we've got to provide those resources and that information and put it in the hands of the right people within our community that have that desire because now it's all hands on deck. Overall, I believe that America will be stronger 
by becoming more inclusive. And that inclusivity means that some some of the one percent is going to have to give up a piece of the pie because that's the way it used to be. That's right. that's my little side commentary on that. And that's why I'm so passionate about young men like you. Right. And, 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 and the young men that I come in contact with that actually want to have these conversations. That's why I want to be available. That's, you know, and that's one of the things I love about our friendship and our relationship is because there's mutual respect. And so it's a matter of, hey, Gene, how do I do this? And my willingness to say, well, this is how you do that, right? right. So, so I'm gonna go back to this. So tell us more then about the book and how that's been um, received and what was that process like for you? So yeah, so, so I was, so my clientele, so one of my clients is um, was a 75 year old white woman and at the time that this was going on the protests and the president was speaking mm -hmm. um, I walk into her home and she has this on CNN it's on TV the, the athletes are kneeling and the president's there and mm -hmm. so I was like oh my god is she gonna like what does she want to does she want to talk about this and mm -hmm. so during our workout, she asked me a question. She says, Aaron, what do you think the athletes are going to do? And my first response was, I don't think they'll do anything. Mm -hmm. And she said, why not? And I said, because they're dumb jocks. Mm -hmm. And part of that dumb jock statement was a lot of what you just mentioned. Muhammad Ali, um, the, the, the protests at the Olympics, Mm -hmm. Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Those are those were monumental events within our culture, which is the reason why they should stand up, but they don't really necessarily focus on those events. So for that reason, I was calling them dumb jocks. And well, so, and because right, and because let me just and I'll say skip back to well, because we've got our 40 acres in the mule, right? So we've got a house in the suburbs, and then we've got our fifty, sixty thousand dollar you know, SUV, right? So we're comfortable, right? That's all we want is a little piece of the pie as opposed to going further. So continue your conversation. I just wanted to add that in. Just continue your conversation now as far as don't be a dumb job. Right, so to further what you were saying, so then she said, this is what she said. She said, Aaron, do you know that in some circles, a black man can only entertain us? He can only entertain us or serve us. Mm -hmm. and, I was like, and I was like, what that's true what even in 2021 that's true <laughs> even so that one statement just mm -hmm. drove me it lit mm -hmm. the fire in, inside of me and i was like you know what this is enough and so i kept replaying dumb jocks and then i started to do more research about what was actually going on because i wasn't i hadn't watched the nfl in like that for, for a couple years so mm -hmm. i really wasn't paying attention and so I, I go into my research mode. I start looking at the the average, the target audience. I start looking at the amount of money that was made. I start looking at the, the sponsors that were involved. I was starting right. to look at all the transactions right. that were happening because of what was happening on Sundays mm -hmm. from August to December. Mm -hmm. From August to December, these people are making billions of dollars for six mm -hmm. weeks. Mm -hmm. So I was like, so it just started, more start burning, more start burning. And I was like, don't be a dumb jock. And so I, I ran that, that title by a few other people. And um, 
they were like, don't be a dumb jock. I got more consensus on don't be a dumb jock than I did on my first couple titles. So that's how sure. I started. I started writing. I started writing about my experience at LSU with the Confederate flags flying around and football players and these 100,000 fans that we were talking about earlier and these 200,000 fans that are on the outside. They're mm-hmm. all coming there to watch these black men mm-hmm. play football. And mm-hmm. the Confederate flag is on the outside of the stadium. As soon as they walk into the stadium, they got to put the Confederate flag on the outside of the stadium. They mm-hmm. walk into the stadium. Mm-hmm. They cheer, 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 walk outside the stadium and, and pick up their Confederate flags and go home. Which and isn't I, that... Right. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Yeah, and it just, it just, it just overwhelmed me and I just couldn't stop writing. You know, right. Isn't it interesting to me that, listen, I used to be stationed in Germany as, as an Air Force guy, right? America entered the war after we got hit for a horrible World War II, right? To defend um, a small group of people against the atrocities that were being committed against them. Isn't it interesting? And in all those symbols and all those replicas of that atrocity, were removed out of that country for the most part. And yet, isn't it interesting that in America, those same symbols of oppression and and genocide, attempted genocide, our own Holocaust, if you will, to where we are expected to walk down, you know, a Confederate named highway, or to look at and celebrate the group that actually lost the Civil War, right? Right. And what the Confederate flag, you know, as a Jew, I was born in Jamaica. I know about the Confederate flag. And I'm kind of like, that doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's whatever. My mom's an American, but she had a really different take on it. And so I'm like, wow, wait a minute. That is an emblem of my oppression. And so it's subliminal in nature because, you need, listen, the minute you get up in the morning, right, and you try to do something different, that is that attitude. They only see you as someone that they can, some, hopefully it's starting to change, but it's not changing fast enough, right? So they only see you as someone that can entertain us or serve us. And so the funny thing is, is while I played sports, I was, I was a heady kid. I was a nerd. And so my playing field was business. And I was like, how come there are not many people we had Reginald F. Lewis back in the day and some other people that remain unnamed, most are quiet, but there wasn't enough. How come when I'm looking at magazines and reading all these different magazines, I am not seeing people like me? And, and more than that, even when I did see people like me, there was not the conversation about what steps do I need to take to do that? And so we allow that ignorance in our community and outside our community. It was like, we'll just go get a job, right? And I'm not opposed to that, but I'm like, listen, I got a burning desire for me. If that person go buy a building, I want to go buy a building too. I can start a company too, and I can do this too. But then you, we live in a country that doesn't support that. And a lot of times it is because subliminally, the Confederate flag walking down the street of a Confederate named road or highway, having a street that you lived on, you get it everywhere you're black men in America, right? There's no such thing as ever relaxing, right? <laughs> and so, of course, that's going to reaffirm their belief that all I can do is entertain or serve you, right? And yep. that's why it's important to have those in the entertainment space guard our mental health. 
it does not make, I'm, listen, I'm not a psychologist, but it does not make sense from a psychological standpoint for us as a nation to not, and I think that's what they're most afraid of. America's been very lucky that black people have not been angrier, right? That all we've asked for is equality uh, instead of asking for revenge, right? And so justifiably so. And so it's gonna happen one of two ways. We're either gonna get on the stick and we're gonna, in the, as a nation, as a whole, and we're gonna start sharing the pie or people are gonna get frustrated enough, they're gonna start taking it. And you, there's not enough cops for that, okay? So at the end of the day, because you had people that apparently had enough, right? Think about white privilege. They had enough and they stormed the Capitol. Right. Now they're, getting, now they're technically, in my, in my view, they're getting slaps on the wrist. Because if that had been a group of people calling, you know, let's talk about this in our communities, they would all be dead. Right? Both, yep. And so they'd be dead or most would be have been murdered. And the people defending the Capitol, some of the Capitol guards and police were people of color. That's just for black folks. That's what's crazy to me, right? And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What's happening now? And so at the end of the day, right, what you're talking about is important. Right, because we've had to be, we, we've taken advantage of entertaining and serving to feed our families and put food on the table. And it is just very natural that we want more. We want to be, you know, and I'm not asking, I've never asked, right? I, I'm not going to ask. And I encourage you and other young men in your life, don't ask. Get the education that you need. Be, you know, I don't believe in that whole, I got to work twice as hard. You know, that's, that's baloney because I've worked in enough of, uh, uh, long enough on Wall Street to know that while I was over there working 12, 13, 14 hours a day, some cat would come in because of his privilege, work maybe three, four, five, six hours, cheating their clients because I got enough white invest financial advisors that have been to jail or the system was rigged to give them 25, 30 million dollars so they could feed their families. And yet they, I'm gonna say it pretty blunt, they were freaking idiots, right? At the end of the day. Right. And so, you know, they hadn't accomplished as much as I did. And if you hear the passion in my voice, it is because I don't naturally think that way. I like to just be the best at whatever it is that I can do. That's it. And so when that becomes an issue, because you know what it's like living down south and it's on it's look, it's all across the country at the end of the day. I'm like, do you understand my fellow Americans? that as on the global scale, one, we look crazy, and two, we're losing a lot of opportunities to be competitive in a global market. Right? Yep. We're choosing some of our best and brightest just because of the brownness of the skin. So the new plantation is, is, is finance, is economics, is access to resources and banking opportunities, right? Yep. And the ability to build businesses, Right, COVID should have, is the great equalizer now at this point, right? And so it's more imperative for us in our community in order to do that. I just wanted to add that in there because I believe what you're doing is great, folks. Thank you. you can check out my man, Aaron Johnson. Um, he's got a master's in kinesiology. He's the founder of Skate Buzz, which has really impacted the lives of the youth. He actually has uh, physical therapy, uh, physical. Because uh, I always say it wrong, so say, say it right for me. Because I keep saying he's physical therapy. You do a lot more than that show um for your clients and, and he targets the uh 50 and up i think you'll probably take younger people right 45 40 35 you'll right be able to have a program for that where he talks about diet and exercise and lifestyle changing breathing techniques 
because it really becomes, I can tell you this, it really becomes more important as you get older to have those things. And he's also the author of Don't Be a Dumb Jock, which you can get on his website, uh, AaronJohnsonFitnessClub.com. Connect with my man on social media so that you can learn more and be supportive of this young um, professional who just happens to be black and trying to take care of the social, economic, mental health, and physical components that make us all human beings. So continue your conversation about the book, about Don't Be a Dumb Job. Um, how many copies have you put in the print? Um, what is one of the key takeaways? What is one of the key things you want people to take away from your book? Right. So I published the book in 2018 and uh, I did not start to market the book until the pandemic, which was 20, say 2019, mm -hmm. March 2019. So, mm -hmm. so to date, um, I've sold right at 750 copies. Wow. And, okay. Yep. And, um, and, and you sell them or you're, you're selling yourself. You're not going to a publisher or anything like that. I recently just signed with the publisher here in, uh, here in Dallas beyond publishing. Okay. Okay. And um, and so that that we're working on some things uh, to get the publishing official or to get it out into the diff different distribution channels. Nice. Um, but 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 Amazon has the book and you can like you said, you can find the book on my website. So through those through Amazon, through. Well, actually, I'll say no, no, no. I, say, I probably sold more. I've, I've printed 770 books. I've sold 750 books. And that's not including the, the 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 sales online, so Amazon and things like that. So that's fantastic. Yeah. That's so it's fantastic. going pretty good. It's the, good. It's been received very well. I think the message resonates with um, our community quite a bit, and that's what I've been seeing a lot of success with. And so we're gonna keep it. I've just turned it into a twelve a twelve week online program. And we're going to create a community around Don't Be a Dumb Jock, uh, supporting athletes and people in the communities that are using their muscles and their mental health for something other than uh, sports and to build That's community. That's fantastic. So, again, tell us where, give us your contact details, right? So give us your contact details. So, again, tell us where we can find the book. Tell us where we can find more information about you. Tell us where we can find more information about Skatebutt. You can find more information on all social media sites at Aaron Johnson Fitness. Um, you can go to my website, AaronJohnsonFitnessClub.com, and you, you will see the Skatebud program. You'll see Don't Be a Dumb Jock, the 12-week program. We also have some free downloads on there that you can um, receive through your email inbox. Um, and we're just gonna be we're just gonna continue to develop the marketing, like I mentioned earlier. Um, we need to get more eyes on on what I'm doing. So, so the phase that I'm in now is more about marketing and distribution. And so we look forward to creating more relationships and, and, and partnering with people that can help us uh, spread the message. That's, that's awesome. Last question. What was one of the most surprising things that you found as you got as you went along this entrepreneur journey, what was the thing that you, if you look back on you said, wow, I didn't anticipate or expect that? That nobody would believe in me. <laughs> that part has been the most 
shocking to me and mm-hmm. um and i and i'm saying that maybe it's the ego that's saying that because mm-hmm. i was a successful athlete i was a successful person in school mm-hmm. and business is a different animal but it's still there's certain principles that go with life that that are going to um make you successful in business so i think the fact that i've had to endure a lot of the journey by myself and throughout mm-hmm. the journey i've had certain people like yourself like a couple other my mentors that have let me know just keep pushing you're doing okay just keep going mm-hmm. and so that support has been 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 great but just overall i think i would have expected more support from certain people in my circle or certain people in my family or certain people who knew me before now but um that i think that's probably the, the biggest the biggest surprise and so let me ask you i said final question but um so are you still doing bachata <laughs> <laughs> actually well actually i went to for the first time since the pandemic i was at a class maybe 2 weeks ago and um i i i it was like day 1 almost because i hadn't been since the pandemic started and so i i'm doing a little bit how about you are you are you still dancing yeah you know i'm i'm going to be doing ballroom dancing here pretty quick since uh since i since i'm in new york so i one of my biggest things i want to learn the argentine tango so okay. i'm going to learn on that and i'm going to do that while i'm while i'm doing this product you know i still got my fingers in dallas so uh, i'm not sure when i'm going to get back there but i know i probably i may get back there actually next month so it's funny folks because what you don't know is that Aaron and i we you know he's not just a serious entrepreneur he's a business person but as well but he's also a student of bachata so we run into each other um socially uh when we right. run out um and go to uh, uh uh i went out to some club with a friend of mine and and i saw him uh doing bachata i ran into him. i was like come on man seriously like, yeah, man, I do bachata <laughs> and uh, you know i want to learn the salsa and, you know that's really a hallmark of who you are from what i have come to know about you is you were always like you took that trip to Italy which was fantastic because you were always uh pushing and expanding your boundaries you're fearless in that sense right and so that's what really sort of happens when you become an entrepreneur is that it opens up your entire world and so you want different experiences outside of what you've always known and that's what makes you such a pleasure to be around and i'm really really fortunate to have you in my life you keep me on point you encourage me folks if you don't know that Aaron was the one say hey man I've been listening to your podcast he goes man you sound great he's like but that's not the gene folks I know say like, man when are you going to get real like you know when are you going to get less <laughs> corporate right right Aaron? right and you're like yeah, when are you going to yeah. get less corporate and when are you going to have a real conversation so really Aaron because of your advice to me the, the entire tone of folks on Fetter is going to be more conversational like how i really talk to people right right and that's where you know that's where we got to add our own spin or flavor to the conversation we're having especially as black men we're having this conversation and so i really thank you for really getting in my face and going come on jane this is you know you're you weren't afraid of donald trump and 
you know, and so, you know, right. why is it that you're being a, little, <laughs> being a little stiff in your conversation? And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I'm professional and I want to get the show and I want to do it this way. And that's the way it is. And then I really contemplated on what you said, but sometimes the teacher becomes a student. And so I'm like, you know, Aaron's <laughs> got a point. I passed up what you were saying to other people and they were like, yeah, no, he's right. I was like, oh, okay, Aaron's got a point. So, so this is, this is folks unfettered is really meant to be a conversation sometimes about hard topics i like to highlight um diverse um uh i like to highlight diverse owners and entrepreneurs and people on their way up to help them get the word out so that overall we can take advantage of those people and those stories that are positively impacting the lives of not just some Americans, but all Americans, because there's some little boy somewhere, right? And you and I are proof of that, that is looking at Aaron Johnson right now going, I want to be that guy. And the reason why I know that is because Aaron Johnson looked at me when I took a risk and went on NBC's The Apprentice. Yep. Um, and he was looking at me going, I don't know that guy, but I want to know that guy. And that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect when we're doing that. We just have to be accessible and available. So brother, I thank you for your encouragement of me. I thank you and value our friendship. And so you know that respect goes both ways. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. No problem. Folks, you have been, you have just listened to another exciting episode of Folks Unfettered. We've been sitting and talking to the CEO of Aaron Johnson Fitness Club. He is the founder of Skate Buds. He is also an author. He wrote Don't Be a Dumb Jock. And he's also a physical therapist dealing with not only the youth, but also the seniors. Check him out on all social media programs. Thank you for your time and attention today. Aaron, thank you for the time you spent with us on this Labor Day. I wish you mad, mad respect, young brother. But don't forget, Yes, send sir. me the latest business plan and the pro forma. You got my email. Send it to me. Let's get it cleaned up and let me get you out there in front of people so I can help your business grow into what it is that you want it to be. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank I, you. I enjoy thank the you. podcast. Yo, for, for real, this, uh, this, uh, this episode um, will be coming out this Friday, by the way. So you and I are going to put that out there. And I'm going to leave. I'm going to clean it up a little bit. But I'm going to leave it as is. Since I really, really appreciate your time and attention today. Thank you very much. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.